Welcome to the Unpolished MBA. I'm your host, Monique Mills. Many times entrepreneurs are called unpolished because they are scrappy and do things in unconventional ways. Well, I like the name Unpolished MBA so much that I even trademarked it. So on this podcast, we commend those with practical experience because they've proven time and time again that one can be successful in business even if they don't have a formal MBA degree. So on each episode, we discuss topics related to business and entrepreneurship. And I've been told that my guests and I provide insights and inspiration to aspiring and current entrepreneurs alike. So this is the place where you can come and hear real life stories that can help you navigate both challenges and opportunities in business. Now let's jump into the next episode. Hello, Unpolished MBA audience. I have a special guest with me today. Let's call him the sales ninja. That's what he calls himself. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the Hi, podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank Thanks for, for joining me morning. today. Yeah. So first of all, calling yourself a sales ninja is hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and uh, actually, I don't even call myself that. People call me that. Why? Why do they quit? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Maybe they take the Asian thing and I apparently I'm quite good at sales. I mean, growing <laughs> up, can you imagine my parents who from Korean, Korean descent in Toronto, Canada, they want their child to be a dentist, doctor, or lawyer, mm-hmm. and then they got to go to church and tell their friends that their son is a sales ninja. It doesn't go well, usually. There is information out there, a little bit about there, about you. And I know that your background, you're actually like a pastor or you were a full-time pastor. Is that correct? Yeah. I was a pastor for 10 years. Wow. All right. So we got to, we got to get into that because how you transition from you're all, if you're a a person of faith, you're always a person of faith, but transitioning from like doing that full-time into sales. I just wonder how, how that's been, because you know how a lot of times folks in the faith aren't expected to have a focus on money or making money. And so it just seems like maybe Maybe that might have been a tough transition for you. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, first of all, how did you get into pastoring? And then what is that connection to you now being a sales ninja? Yeah. So thanks for asking great questions. So having been in the banking industry, one of the largest banks here in Canada, helping launch uh, a reward miles credit card that became the number one card in the nation, I didn't have any plans to go into pastoral ministry because I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was on track to become an executive before the age of 30, was getting lots of promotions, good pay, et cetera, et cetera. And then was going to enroll to do my executive MBA. Uh Long story shorter, I saw a cartoon caption in the future of like 27, 80, 80, and it was two cartoon captions. One was archaeologists mining ruins in the first caption. And in the second caption, under the rubble, they found cubicles. And my just heart just sank because I was in a company um, where there was 70,000 people and we were on the 23rd floor and I enjoyed what I was doing. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like I was here without a real purpose and that I believe that with my faith in God, he had a bigger plan for me to impact more people. But I was like, that's against the plan. That's against the agenda. My parents didn't pay for it. They didn't want this to happen because they immigrated. So the reason would be, I would not go into pastoral ministry to become broke, poor, and all this stuff. So Uh a lot of prayer, 
I pivoted uh, massively after five years in the banking industry into pastoral. My parents were not on board. Let's just say that. <laughs> Almost yeah. disowned me. And then I enrolled into my master's of divinity in the largest seminary here in Canada. And they were not really crazy about the idea of going backwards financially because being a pastor in their minds was like a vow to poverty. You cannot own these things. You cannot have these comforts and luxuries, that kind of mindset, which is like, because we're immigrants, grew up with that poverty and scarcity mindset. So it was really, really tough. All right, let's take a moment to thank the biggest sponsor of the Unpolished MBA. That's TPM Focus. TPM Focus is a strategy consulting firm that helps startups and small business owners generate revenue and find their way to profitability when they're launching a new product or in a new market. So reach out to tpmfocus.com. TPM stands for the Profit Matters Focus.com. So I, is it really true, uh, especially here in the U.S.? I mean, I know some mega church folks that have way more money than, than most business people. <laughs> so yeah. is that something, is that something that they hadn't seen before that being in the church doesn't necessarily mean you have to be poor? Or was that something that they just expected there wouldn't be a focus on money if you switched over to that? Yeah, I think there's a great question. There's a big confusion in churches and what is taught with regards to money and love of money because money is, is taboo in the in the in the christian in the church world where money is evil but it's the love of money that is the root of all evil and i think there's a big yeah. nuance that's distinguishing money can do amazing things it can help break generational poverty it can end or stop child trafficking like it, you would need billions and billions of dollars where you know you, we would need a lot of money to stop things that are near and dear to our hearts, humanitarian projects like world vision, compassion, orphan children, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So for me, my, my vision was always to sell more, to give more. And that's became my motto. The sales ninja is to sell more, give more. I need to sell billions of dollars so I can end generational poverty to fund projects to end child trafficking. And you need to hire highly skilled special forces to rescue children. And they're not cheap and they're risking their lives. So for me, it's a bigger why behind just making money or trying to hit seven figures or be a multimillionaire. It's, it's, we have a short time here on this earth. How can we make a lasting impression and leave a legacy? Yeah, that's always been a, I just got to tell you, that's always been a hard thing for me to really kind of reconcile. Yes, money is need it for all of these things but it's it's almost like and i don't and i don't know how you've experienced this either it's almost like why if those are things that people need to fulfill god's purpose right so why mm. do why does it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions or billions to help with child trafficking right like why mm -hmm. should why shouldn't there be, from the creator of all, why shouldn't there be ways to combat these issues without people having such a focus on money to do so? Mm -hmm. I just have a hard problem with a challenge with like reconciling that. People need to eat or need to be safe or have medical care. And then you have folks go out and may sell drugs, may rob, may kill to get money in order to have those necessities. Like, I have a hard time explaining that. 
You're right. And in a perfect world where you're absolutely right, that's what would be happening. But because we live in a broken world yeah. where people are greedy and the, the existence of humankind is we want to believe the best in people, but sometimes people do not act in the way that they should because of socioeconomic situations, upbringings, trauma, abuse, et cetera. And the, the list goes on because it's such a broken world. We live in a broken society. And because of that, we need resources to be able to do what we actually should have been doing without money. And because we don't and we can't at this point in time, at least that I know of, then we need to do what we do best and outsource the rest, which is having people who are skilled, highly skilled, whether they're coaches, whether they're special forces, to be able to be able to fund these passion projects that are going to help make this world a better place. Mm, that's a that's a good way to put it. So I want to take it back to all right. So you first of all, you were in banking, which is typically a high salary field. And then when you went into, wow, I can't even imagine what that thought process was like. You're Did right. You, you're absolutely you, right. Were you, but, but I guess you're a man of faith, so you weren't necessarily fearful or were you, were you fearful of making that transition or did you just say, Hey, I'm just go with it. Whatever comes, comes. Obviously that's meant for me to experience. Let, let's just say Monique that in my life, there's never anything that came easily from birth, from being raised up in a immigrant family to uh, racially profiled targeting where our car got torched. Uh, in the east end of Toronto, where our oh house nearly God. exploded. There was a lot of gangs and a lot of racial profiling back then. We had to move because we were concerned for our safety, marginalized on the fence, discriminated, racism, all that stuff. So nothing ever came easily. So going from, I didn't even want to go into banking. I didn't even apply for the job. Like I literally, that was the last place I ever wanted to work because I thought pinstripe suit, rigid, very boring kind of people. And then I didn't realize that my friend who was another job fair at a university had taken my 40 or 50 resumes and was just, just like tossing them to the different job fair employers. And that's what landed my, me, my only interviews and my only job, ironically. And then going and pivoting from banking to pastoring, I was kicking and screaming uh, because I didn't want to go because I was living such a good life, had a great salary, amazing of benefits, course. stock options, right? Like who would want to go backwards financially, yeah. as you can imagine. But, and it's something that was dishonoring to my parents. So now, not only was there are so many against all odds concerns, but now I felt like I was dishonoring my parents and undoing the work that they were doing their whole life, like bending over, breaking their backs to provide for their children, mm -hmm. i.e. me. And then, so I had to really pray as a man of faith and say, God, am I honoring my parents? And am I, am I honoring you? Because it feels like there's tension. If I do go into full-time pastoral ministry, which they're not blessing, I feel like I'm dishonoring my parents, but following you, and I don't know if I, if I feel good about that, but if I don't go into ministry or pastoral, then I'm disobeying you and honoring my parents. So I, I know that in Mark 12, 30, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors. So loving God is first. So I thought, okay, if that's what the Bible says, then I'm going to honor God and I'm going to do my best to honor my parents in a decision that they don't bless me in which was a very, very difficult situation. It's like a K drama where my mom was in a brand new Volvo. We were visiting my grandmother at the cemetery. 
I broke the news to her and it started raining. It was like slow motion. You could hear the music in the background. And my mom was very upset. And she says, I'm not going to only not bless you, but I'm going to cut you off financially. Wow, that got to be tough. So you obviously you follow the ministry. And I guess your your parents came, just came to whatever conclusion they were going to and still loved you anyways. Am I correct? Yeah, they did. <laughs> and after after I think three or four years, my dad called me into the kitchen. And usually when that happens, you can just play back your childhood of like getting in trouble or getting spanked or be, being, you know, told how to live life. And so he basically called me in and he says, I see all the work that you're doing with your pastoral ministry. And I made a big mistake when I didn't bless you. And I wanted to apologize and ask for your forgiveness. And if Korean, Canadian, or even Asian parents, yeah. oh my goodness, it is, it is not even ever seen in a lifetime or lifetimes for that matter. So are your parents people of faith as well? Because I know sometimes that's not always the case. True. true. They, they are very much uh, men and women of faith. They're both elders and deacons in the church for 30 plus years. They just didn't want me to suffer as their children financially. Uh, oh, man, that's interesting. When folks follow their, their path that, that God has laid out for them, and if you think that he's taking you somewhere where you would suffer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you see it that yeah. way, then that's where, I mean, I could see why people would be discouraged, but you know, it's one of those things where we have to trust that he wants the best for us. Right. But how, were you thinking you were just going to be poor and, and everything and just accepted that's what it was going to be? Well, based no? on my childhood and my upbringing and how my parents were kind of saying how I should be in my ministry and as a pastor, mm -hmm. I felt like I was taking a vow to poverty. Um, so you really so did. Have, so you did. Yeah, poverty, did. scarcity. Wow. Okay. So, and, and you were just Big like, time. okay, that's that's what it's going to be. And you still move forward with it. That's yeah. And 10 years of doing that is definitely not for the money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's just sometimes you see folks, especially here in the U.S. I know your your journey has been in Canada, but here in the U.S., like it's sometimes they call them different names. Some of the pastors that are just really all about the money. They have private jets. Do you guys have folks like that in Canada? Not as much. I mean, it definitely is uh, rampant in the States. I mean, yeah. I don't think we have the critical mass to be able to do that. Wow. It, it might be a, a luxury car, but not a private jet. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Some folks actually go into ministry because it's a for that business reason. model. <laughs> it's a business model. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you you went into ministry, you did that for 10 years, and then, then what happened? How'd you eventually get into the business of sales? So as a, my last post in ministry was not only as a pastor or a church planner, which is someone who it sounds like a funny word, but starts or plants churches. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of saw, at least a lot of other people saw the growth and ex exponential increase in either people, leadership, sizes of different campus movements, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and a lot of people come into faith. I think uh, we had uh, 2,500 people. I, I was, came up with a um, curriculum to share how to love people to God and 2,500 people got equipped in that. I won I won an evangelism, evangelism award in my seminary, and then I also had the opportunity to help have forty thousand conversations and ten thousand people 
making a decision to follow God, which is pretty in, interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't think anything of it until people were like, how the heck did you do that? Are you breathing on people and people closing wow. the sale for God kind of a thing? Yeah. So, so that's the introduction to like the pre-sales ninja kind of a thing, the oh. evangelist. And then long story shorter, I was running out of missionary funds. So as a missionary, I had to raise support and get partnerships, just like when you would sponsor a child, you would sponsor a missionary type of thing. And because my supervisor was saying, you're doing such a great job growing the leaders, growing the churches, growing the campus ministries, unless you move to like a very remote area in Northern Canada, which is a very uh, unwanted, I didn't feel called to that, except if God called me to Hawaii, I, I think that was a calling, but uh, <laughs> I digress. I didn't feel called to any of these places that they were asking me to go. And so my, because they said I had duplicated myself so well and equipped people so well, worked myself out of a job, basically. Um, they didn't know, they didn't need my services unless I was living as a residential evangelist. So my funds started to dwindle very, very quickly. Whereas I was down to about a thousand dollars a month. I have married with three kids. The average household here, if you were to buy a home is 1.5 million for a three bedroom bungalow. Toronto yeah, yeah. is beautiful, but it is expensive. So it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And so because I was running out of missionary funds, I got very desperate because I couldn't make ends meet. So I was thinking, do I flip hamburgers at a, for, for minimum wage, or do I look for something else that I could find? Cause I never thought I would ever leave the pastoral ministry. I saw an ad on, I'm sure it was Facebook or something, some business growth consultant. And I was like, wow, this guy's. You know, he's got an ad with Lamborghini. He must be rich type of thing. Well, it was the exact opposite world that I'm coming from. It, it was like him, but it wasn't, okay. it wasn't him. Yeah. It was okay. someone like him. I answered, I didn't answer. I just made a personalized video and I said, Hey, let's call him John. I'm a pastor. I don't know anything about your business, but I know that you're quite successful in what you do. I would love to learn anything and everything that you have and do whatever it needs to help you continue in your success. I'll be your right hand man. Do whatever it takes to do what it needs to help you to grow and scale your business. Mm -hmm. And then within 45 minutes, he got responded to me and got on a Zoom call and he says, who are you? And, and I have a lot of people that I are my team that I hire and people apply. You are like jumping the line here. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't know there was a process. And he says, well, first of all, you're the first person that ever gave me a video outreach. Secondly, you're, you came with a creative way that's unbeknownst to anything I've ever seen. So that was amazing. And thirdly, I really like your guts. He said something else, but I'll just keep it PG. Yeah. And so long story short, he's like, if you're going to put your money where your mouth is, I didn't, re I didn't even realize that he lived downtown Toronto. I guess it was a localized targeted ad. That makes sense. Mm. Then he's like, come over to my penthouse suite tomorrow. And I'm like, this is a Sunday night. And I'm going first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. And I'm like saying to my wife, if I don't make it back home tonight, just write on my tombstone, two words, loved much, whether I get kidnapped, murdered, I, I have no idea because I don't know who I'm going to. I don't know if this person's real. I don't know if they're going to like kidnap me or take me for ransom or deport me. I had no idea. And then uh, it turned out to be legit. And then 90 days later, I was going there every single day. I basically learned anything and everything that he was doing. I wrote hundreds of pages of copious notes and I'm a, I'm not the quickest learner, but when I learn something, I can. I can run with it. So I want to go back to, you mentioned your funds were dwindling. You came across a Facebook ad. You're married though. Did your, was your wife working or was she stay at home mom? 
Nope. She, she was an accountant at the time. We had a lot of student loan debt and obviously living in Toronto with housing, it was very expensive. And there were like, I think there were four periods in the 10 years that I was in ministry. I was unpaid for nine months. I call it my four seasons of spiritual pregnancy, testing up my faith, testing up my heart. Mm -hmm. And I broke, I broke and cried a lot. (laughs) Again, that, that takes me back to my first like challenge with kind of understanding why money plays such a big part of our lives and so much of our focus. And yeah, I know it transforms into other things, but that's hard. You need somewhere to live, something to eat. You mentioned that you were like, you were just like, wow, you had all these people basically turn to Christ and based upon things that you said during that time. Was it something that you said or do you think the spirit led them or what was so special about that moment that 10,000 people responded in that way? I think I didn't realize it at the time because my supervisor was basically saying we need to give a missionary support letter, like a newsletter to tell people how their investments are going. So they know the ROI, like how is my money being spent and how is it being invested and what, what kind of fruit are we seeing or results are we seeing? And I didn't really track anything. And they said, can you start tracking it? So I started doing training sessions where I was training about 30 people at a time, two classrooms at a time every quarter for years. So that ended up being 2,500 plus being trained across North America. And then we started doing tracking sheets where we would put down who the person was, some information, where the conversation was and what the result was, and then follow up. It's like sales, really, really. That's what I'm going to say. It sounds like business to me because that's basically it's a sales funnel and, you know. Now now that I think about it and I'm saying it, it it is sales. It's a sales tracker. But, you know, I didn't think about it that way at all because I'm so relationally wired that I don't count numbers. I don't track all these things. But because I had to do a ministry report, I'm like, okay, okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm not a numbers focused guy. But I guess for the people that are sponsoring us or funding us, we should do this. And then literally, it's not even just me alone reaching 10,000. It's 2,500 people reaching hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. You know what? Some folks could argue this point, but, but I hear this quite often. Pastors are the ultimate salesmen. And people say that like during sermons and so on, when it's time for tithing or coming to the altar to, for one reason or another, rather is to, to accept the the calling of the Lord over your life and things of that nature. But whatever it is, it gets people to take action. That's one of the things that it seems to be that pastors are very skilled at. And I always mm-hmm. wondered, I'm like, is there a school or something for this? Because especially here, a lot of it seems very similar, even if the people are extremely different. Just kind of the the way they do things seems very similar. Is there a training or something folks are taking? Like that's, that's, what, a real, uh, that's a real question. Honestly, it's a real yeah, question. yeah, yeah, yeah. Legit, it's a legit question. I mean, there's two. I mean, there's many, but two that I can think of just for simplicity's sakes for the audience mm-hmm. is there's seminary where you go to a school to do your master's or your doctorate or your PhD, where you learn theology, which is the study of God and understanding the Bible and how to interpret it, how to communicate it. They don't necessarily teach you how to like call people to action how to do the altar call, how to lead people to Christ per se. Cause I mean, I went to seminary, but they asked me to teach people how to do that in one of the courses I was taking called curriculum design. I created something called impact 101, which is basically taking all the different kinds of 
communication, relationship, friendship, evangelism to be able to connect and love and serve people to God. And I rewrote it and rescripted it and published it. And long story short, I, I think pastors, it's easy to say that they are ultimate sales people. But in my line of work as being a former pastor, I find that most pastors are not very effective in calling people to action or leading people to Jesus, which is, I mean, other than the mega churches where those are very, very gifted communicators, the, ma the majority of churches and pastors do not have that gift. So I look at it as um, a sport, baseball or tennis. When you think about sales in baseball, the pitcher, his role is to strike the batter out, right? Strike them out. And a lot of times in sales, at least in the arenas that I've been in, it's this pushy, salesy, sleazy, icky sales where it's like pushing, would that be a Visa, MasterCard or, or, um, or Amex? Jay, let me just tell you, I don't know if you've been to any churches here, but there are churches, quite a few that are like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. They need some real, real repentance and training. Anyways, so the pitcher's role is to strike them out. And in a lot of sales training, it's really to, to sell them and close them, a means to an end, a credit card to receive, forcing the money out of the wallet. Whereas tennis is when you're hitting the ball, you're serving. And oh, then what you're I doing like in that. sales is you're not striking them out. In fact, what I even often do on my calls is, hey, Monique, this is not a coaching program for everyone and it's not the cheapest one. So I just want to just set that off the bat and I'm not here to do any high pressure sales. There's no obligation to join whatsoever. I just want to see number one, if we're a good fit and number two, can we actually help you grow and scale your five businesses? I've done a bit of homework because you're already amazing at what you do. I don't know if I can add to what you're already doing. In fact, I probably can learn what you're doing. So I'm interested in that as well. So there's something where you build rapport in the first 30 seconds and you have a banter where it's friendly and you're serving. And when you in tennis serve, you have a person that's returning the serve and you're having this constant rally, which is a conversation. And in that rally, you want to discern what their pain, problems, desires, and dreams are. And when you can move them from pain to desire, close the gap by becoming the solution, you don't even have to ask for the sale. People will ask for it. That sounds brilliant. Actually, the way you describe it sounds, it's, it's a framework, right? That, that we would consider in business. So you now have a sales training. Well, yeah, a, sales training. a sales coaching business. Yep. Sales coaching business. Who do you predominantly work with and share these kind of tactical frameworks with? Yeah. So coaches, course creators, online entrepreneurs who want to grow from 10K months to 100K months. 100K months to million dollar months. And interestingly enough, I'm attracting a number of real estate investors, financial advisors in the senior positions and people in the like trades. Like I have a concrete builder who is stuck at $600,000 months who's coming and asking for my help. How did they find you? Do they? I went to a birthday party. I went to a birthday party for my son to pick him up. And when I saw the address, I was like, ooh, this is like, one of the top two most expensive neighborhoods in the, in the city. So I knew right away that I was going to be going to an amazing house, which was very true. I go to the backyard where the party is to pick up my son. And I felt like I was in an all-inclusive resort. It was cabana. It was a smoker barbecue. It was a hot tub. It was a full-size pool. There was waterfalls. There was like a huge overhang with like TV, couches. Like this is all outside. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did I just come to Disneyland? Like <laughs> Disney World? 
and they have catered food like decked out like all over the the tables and he's like stay a while why don't you get some food i'm like i think i will <laughs> and then because he was very busy with different guests i did a very short intro and i just said what do you do and he said he's a concrete uh, builder for large project homes and then without me saying anything he says these are the people that i'm working with that i'm trying to look at grow and scale my business and then I said, oh, have you guys considered this and that? And I just made some thoughts and suggestions. He goes, what do you do? I said, well, I help grow and scale businesses through sales. And then he said, those are the exact things I want them to do, but they're not doing. So you said exactly what I need someone to do, but I haven't been able to find anyone to do that. So those kind of one-on-one conversations are very impactful and definitely easy, easier to close than cold calling or cold emailing, things of that nature. So what do you do outside of like those personal kind of run-ins like that, which is great, by the way? <laughs> a lot of strategies and we could do another episode, but the long and short of it is like LinkedIn. I think that's how we connected. Yes. Um, hello. I keep telling, right? I keep telling the listeners. Yep. Mm -hmm. huge untapped market. I don't think people are realizing the amount of opportunities, networking, best practices they can offer like for you an acquisition audit or a business scaling audit for free and give them one small win in a 15, 30 minute call and don't ask for anything in return. And they'll be like, wow, Monique, you and your team are amazing. I need to definitely get my CFO and CTO to come and talk about how we can work together. So that's one thing that I've been using that works really, really well in the LinkedIn space. In the Facebook space, I use Facebook groups. So I funnel free traffic, free traffic, organic traffic through honeypot posts or hand raising posts. So it could be like for you, discover how I grew five businesses from scratch and hit multi seven figures and grow and scale companies or acquire them to make them even more profitable. If you're interested in a breakthrough call to learn more, comment breakthrough. All and right. Then, Are you a copywriter or something, Jay? Because I, I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't. I don't. Off I don't the know top a lot of, of your head with these. Right. Real time. Yeah. <laughs> real time. So that's that's pretty. You're very talented at that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So yeah. So then you can say if you're if if they do breakthrough, then you can lead them to your Facebook group. Funnel all traffic to your Facebook group. Grow it to five hundred thousand plus, and you can easily do six figures a month just from that alone. Do you or you scale your coaching and training by doing cohorts and groups or is it all individual one-on-one? Oh, it's all group. The only way to grow and scale, in my opinion, is to be able to do group coaching. The hybrid version of that could be a one-on-one onboarding and maybe a one-on-one -on -one battle plan call 30 days in. And you can even have different coaches that are really, really good at that, doing that so that you can take yourself. Remember, I'm the guy who always works myself out of a job. Yeah. It's called discipleship and multiplication. And then doing what you do best, outsourcing the rest. If you ever do, or if I ever do one-on-one, -on -one, we're talking like six figures, right? Like okay. it, it would have to be a lot of money to the point where it hurts them. I have several VIP clients that I had today. And like one of them is doing $250,000 a month on one of her eight businesses, mm. right? And so I just gave her another idea today to start another business that can probably do about $100,000 in the first 60 to 90 days. Incredible. I love the way you described kind of like your, of course, guys, a, a simplistic version of his funnel, but 
he provided some insight into how he acquires customers. And I think a lot of folks don't don't really get to hear that real time from folks. And I don't think they have any idea how it happens. And that was a great mm. example um, that you shared with us. I want to just kind of go back to your, you said the salesy thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You said how to sell without sounding salesy. Uh, like, mm -hmm. how do you do that? Especially in a post, right? Or something of that nature where you're basically telling people, hey, this is the result I got from someone. And if you want that too. And I just want to say, we see that so much that it's mm -hmm. like, oh, what's the bait and switch here? Like, it's it's very hard to discern what's real and what's not because we see so many yeah. kinds of posts like that. So how yeah. do you get people to like, trust you or give you a chance versus just ignoring and scrolling past? I can see why you're so brilliant and successful. You have amazing questions, Monique. So the, the, the easy, simplistic answer for brevity's sake, and feel free to do a follow-up series. We can have our own show and go on tour. You're coming what back, I call Jay. The... You're coming Thank back. Thank you. <laughs> that was my serving way of getting back on. So <laughs> is the glass selling method. And the glass selling method in short is an acronym that I've come up with, which is G, which is give first. Don't ask for anything back. L, listen well. This would work very well in relationships and marriages. That's another story in itself. A is asking open piercing questions that don't result in a yes or no answer. Like the, the example of doing a closed question would be like, hey, do you think this coaching program would be good for you? No. Do you trust me? I don't think so. Versus, hey, what part of this program from lead generation copy to sales closing, sales scripting, and building rapport, which one of those five frameworks would benefit you the most? You got to pick one, right? Or two. That's open piercing questions. And then S is sincerely handing objections. I look at objections as not defensive or offensive. I look at it, it's like Jesus says, sheep are lost without a shepherd. And they're just wanting to understand. So I look at them with empathy and say, listen, they have a real problem where they've been burned by a coach. Let me take this moment to say, I'm really sorry that happened. I'm really sorry that happened. I don't want to be the next in line. And if this is not comfortable for you, we don't need to move forward because it's traumatic. I get it. If you're looking for a person that you can trust and I'll earn that trust over time and you're looking for results, then we can talk about a plan to help you move forward. Let me give you three strategies in which we can help you do that. That's sincerely having objections by also providing a solution to close the gap between the current and desired state. And then the last S is serve with humility. Long story short, I turned off this other lady, this coach who was not even wanting to talk to me. I said, can we get on a call? And she's like, you're not closing me. I'm not getting pitched. I'm like, I have absolutely zero intention to close you. My goal is to apologize and to eat humble pie and say, what did I do to offend you? Long story short, we got on a call, we reconciled and she said, you have so much integrity. I'm actually going to come and join the program. I said, let me give you a 12 month payment plan because I feel so bad. I want to make this affordable. She goes, stop being silly. Give me a paid in full link. Wow. That's impressive. But that just goes to show you that when you're a human and you treat other people like a human versus a transaction and you build real relationships and you can have conversations like that. So Amen, that sister. says a you lot. You hit the nail right on. Ace to ace, human to human, heart to heart. I love it. Well, you, I think that people are going to get that from you in this in this conversation we've had, but I definitely want to have you back so we can 
I don't want you to give away all of your tactical. I know there's so many magic sauce, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think that people can stand to learn some things from you in a compressed format, right? Of course, not have a, a two hour or whatever long training, <laughs> but to mm -hmm. to hear some more from you. So, Jay, how can people best follow you, learn more from you, and potentially work with you? Yeah. So practicing what I preach is sending all peoples to the road of Facebook groups, which is facebook.com backslash groups backslash sales ninja community. Does it cost to be in there or is it free? It's free to be no, in No, it's free. Like I said, I give first, I listen well, I ask really good questions and I offer a lot of free training, free videos, free resources, free cheat sheets, free PDFs. I love it. So, so people I should always, be able to make money. Yeah. You know what? Before, I know I keep saying we're going to we're going to wrap it up, but I have to say this because I've seen so many posts on from some of the big online gurus that say, give it free, give things away for free, give things away for free. Now, I, I have some issues with that. And that's another reason why we have to definitely come back and discuss this. Mm. At what point do you do you just stop giving, giving away free value that really could, people would pay for. I mean, they, they would pay yeah. for it. Where do you find Great. your threshold? Where do you find That your is a super $100 million question. So oh, those people that are trying to get your time without paying for it, they keep on asking for the free stuff. They never opt in over and over and over and over again. I would say, lead them to your content. Let your content strategy do all the work, whether it's posts, stories, whether it's um, your Facebook group, whether it's resources in the guide section, whether it's LinkedIn newsletters, whether it's LinkedIn posts, let the content be doing the heavy work and getting them the results that they need. And then the people who are interested are going to speak up. They're going to surface as you serve them and they're going to reciprocate and resonate. And they're going to be the ones who are going to be asking, how do I learn more? Or how do I get in a call? Or how do we work together? I want to go dig deeper into that in our next call. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, because it's interesting how different people get treated differently. And I think it also has a lot to do with your systems in place and mm. your messaging, copywriting, all of that. Some people just constantly get just people in their funnel that want things for mm -hmm. free. Like yeah. how you message things and all of that plays a role in people knowing that, okay, this is what I can get for free. But if I want this, then I'm yes. going to have to pay. And so the, I don't think a lot of people have not perfected that. And yeah. so some folks tend to get taken advantage of and they they are being pretty loud on on social media right now, especially as we're we're transitioning into a lot of people trying to be self-employed after layoffs and things of that nature. And so giving them information on, hey, just give things away for free. And they don't understand all of the the background, right? All of the strategies and skills and all of that stuff that you and I know, fresh faces just jump out there and they get eaten alive by taking that advice without knowing all of the other tactical stuff to consider. So yeah, we want to talk even, to those even, folks. Exactly. Yeah. Even with your focus innovation group, it could be like, there is a five-step framework. We're going to go over two to help you get clarity and wins. And then the next three, if this is a viable move forward that is makes sense and can help you uh, with your business that's that's joining our incubator oh jay 
you, yeah, we, we got to have you back. I, yeah. love, 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 love. I love that. So, Jay, go. thanks so much for joining us today. And I got a feeling, I think I'm going to find your Facebook group today. If I don't, I'll do it by the end of the week. Because I can always learn, right? I love learning from other, from other people and especially someone as smart and as brilliant as you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Likewise, that's why I'm on the call to learn from you as well. <laughs> thanks, take care. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.